We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready for rapid fire. All right. So let's do this. First question for the night. Double fill in the blank. You felt blank about the Notre Dame football program two weeks ago, and you feel blank about it today. I felt concerned about the football program a couple weeks ago, um, and I feel the same today. And I, I, I say concern as in, there's just a lot of unproven uh, things. And so I, I don't feel any differently about it now compared to two, three, four weeks ago. And that's just solely because there's, I need to see it. I need to see a lot of, you know, the changes that are going to be implemented. I need to see what Parker's system is all about. And again, I think concerned is maybe too hard of a word, but I, I just, I, it's unproven. And so I feel that they're unproven and I still feel the same about it now and unfortunately we can talk about it and you know say what we think is going to happen but until it actually happens you know that's that's all it's going to be is just kind of everyone's kind of hypothesis about you know what's going to change what's going to stay the same what's going to get better and what's potentially going to get worse yeah exactly and i and guess I, was... sorry I, I trust i have full faith in marcus freeman and you know who he's bringing on and their character and if Marcus Freeman believes in him, then I believe him. I believe that this offense is going to be good. But until they show me that, I, I just it's only going to be a belief. Yeah, I mean, two weeks ago, there was a lot of trepidation, right? Because of all the stuff that was going on. I guess, I guess it's been about two weeks now since Jared Parker was announced. So maybe even, you know, closer to three weeks ago. You know, like, but on the heels with all the stuff that was going on with the Ludwig stuff and, and just things blowing up in Notre Dame's faces and the horrible PR and just every, you know, like conflicting reports. And then you've got the, the email from Jack Swarbrick. You've got the response at the press conference from Marcus Freeman. And like, people are still asking about it today, you know, like, so what was the story? You know, why, why all this conflicting stuff? And, you know, so that's, that it was just such a bad look for Notre Dame with all that stuff going on. So it, it was a very, to me, a very uneasy feeling about Notre Dame because it, it just didn't seem like things were, were jiving and matching up with where they were supposed to be. You know, so now a couple of weeks later, 
even though, as we said, you know, there are questions that Jared Parker is going to have to answer. There are questions that Joe Rudolph is going to have to answer. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I do feel like just getting to you know talk with Jared Parker and hear his comments at that press conference, I do feel like, you know, like this is a guy who's who's really sharp, who knows his stuff. And, you know, Brian has written and said a lot about him as well. So I, I think this this is a guy who can work out. But again, this is this is the first this is like in his career, first real big challenge for him that he's going to have to figure a lot of different things out. So there are still some questions, but I at least right now going into spring until we see otherwise, I think that there is at least pretty good reason for some optimism with with these three guys that uh, that Marcus Freeman has put together, you know, to after Tommy Reese's departure, um, uh, at least for now, a much more stable feeling. Yeah, and I think that is filling the slots or kind of filling the voids has produced some sorts of like stability. Like I feel good about it, but I just, I, I'm a man of results, the hard facts. That's why I enjoy right. mathematics, statistics, analytics. Very the pragmatic. numbers don't really lie to you. And so once we start seeing the actual results put on, you know, paper or put on the field, that's where I'm going to feel even more confident. Yeah. Mr. 2.0 said, I hate to harp on this and I'm pulling for coach Parker, but if we did land Ludwig, the whole fan base would be excited right now rather than asking questions. And that is absolutely right. So, you, you know, you, you would have had a coordinator with what two plus decades of offensive coordinator and quarterback experience rather than a relatively unproven offensive coordinator, even if he's going to have a pretty good quarterbacks coach coming in with him. And so it's just there, there are just enough questions to uh to keep us guessing right now and you know as as we've said and, and you said earlier Jess who knows what we're going to see in the spring and so really it's going to be you know who knows what we're going to get to see in the fall I think we ended up with like two practices last fall and otherwise a lot of what we're going to find out is going to be found out in that Navy game in Dublin yeah and I mean away. And really, if what it boils down to is, too, is, you know, I can if it goes if, if they don't do well, all hell is going to break loose in those first three games. But if they do well, it's going to be, well, it's Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. Let's wait until we play the big boys at Ohio State. So to me, unless things tragically go bad in those first three games, I don't think we're going to I don't think people are going to feel confident or comfortable until after that Ohio State game. I think that's where a lot of people are going to draw their conclusions because, I mean, you know how it is. Everyone, they do well in those first three games. Well, it's just going to be, oh, well, it, it, that's how it should be, right? It's Central Michigan, Tennessee State, and Navy, you know, three teams that aren't probably projected to be super great next season. And so I think Ohio State is really going to be that game where everyone kind of has a, a, a good feeling of good or bad what, the, what Jared Parker is going to be like. I concur. I concur. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so Isaiah Foskey had some high praise for current Notre Dame defensive end Jordan Botello at the NFL Combine this week. Foskey uh, made some comments about him, and let's hear what he had to say. For a big role since pretty much he stepped on campus, that Jordan, Jordan Botello is my guy. He shows a very versatile pass, which he can stop the run. And he's really like a menace to every single offensive line. He's a real, he's really aggressive at a point of the attack, and he can just dominate any tackle that he goes against. So again, some pretty high praise. He can dominate any tackle he goes against. So how high, Jesse, should our expectations be for Jordan Batello this season? See, this is a tough one because. Someone's got to step in and fill the shoes at the defensive end position. And I think Jordan Patello has the strongest case to do that. But at the same time, it's not like he's, it's not like he's getting this like hype around him. Right. So it's like, we should almost be grateful for anything that he exceeds expectations just because it's not like, you know, it's not like an Isaiah Foskey where there's a lot of hype and you, 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 you know, Foskey was going to be good, Batello has the potential to be good but it hasn't been proven on a consistent basis. And so I think that there should be hype and expectations for Botello, but I also think at the same time as fans, we should be appreciative of things that kind of exceed or go up above and beyond um, those expectations at the same time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Joe, as long as he keeps himself straight, Mr. 2.0 look good in the bowl game, both, both true statements, I right. think. But and I do also... like the, the thing about him too is that Foskey mentioned is is his ability to be a pass rusher, but also kind of drop off in what I'm known as 
those Viking kind of stunts by defensive ends where they're dropping off right. in the flats, the Viper. And disturbing yeah. pass ass lanes, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I, I completely, we've always known that this guy has the ability, but a lot of it has to do with, with what's happening between the ears. You know, what, what has held this guy back in, in terms of where he is right now? Cause this, he's going into his senior season now and we've only seen little flashes like here and there. We've seen him on special teams a couple of years ago. Yeah. He had a great, Bowl game because like 34 career games, 33 career tackles, six and a half sacks. Two of those six and a half came in the bowl game. The other two came in the Syracuse game <laughs> last year. You know, so it's like, again, this guy's been here forever and we've kind of been waiting for him to, to be this guy. And so now here we are. I have a hard time. Like. Like if I went scale of one to ten, where should our expectations be? I would put them maybe maybe six at the highest i'm i'm probably closer to five just because i don't want to put too much because again he's going into year four we know that the ability is there but he hasn't shown that he can keep himself on the field and be consistent enough to put him on the field so see like Derek wants to put it at a nine 2.0 is saying seven so he's a little bit higher than me it's like you put too much expectation on this guy. You're just going to be let down. Up. Yeah. That's and that's, right. that's, I guess, what I was trying to get across is <laughs> I think that he can be pretty good to, like, solid. I think his baseline for everyone should be solid to average. And then anything that's above that, we should be excited for. So then right. on the back end, we're not let down because we have too many high expectations going in. At least make the consistent play and then – that yeah. other stuff then we could step up making the game changing plays right right i just I, I i have a hard time you know seeing now joe is saying a disappointing <laughs> six i guess i guess my thing is like keep the expectations at least reasonable and then kind of what you're saying if he plays consistently he's out there all the time then everything else that comes on top of it is great gravy. Cause I think that he can, you know, really make some, some big time spectacular plays, but I just, I hate to put too much hype on a guy who again has six and a half sacks in his first three years. And four of them came in two games last year. Right. So after Mike Bray coached his last game at Purcell Pavilion, do you have a favorite Bray Notre Dame men's basketball moment from the last 23 years? You know, it, it's hard to like pinpoint a moment, right? Because, I mean, we're talking about a four-time conference coach of the year, uh, the the most winning is coach in Notre Dame basketball history. Um, he's been he was the 2011 coach of the year, the Elite Eights in 2015 and 2016. Um, and you know, I, I just think overall, what what I what Mike Bray is most remembered for. It's just honestly, he's a good guy of like good character. He's just overall a nice guy. And I appreciate the way he ran his teams. You know, Notre Dame always came out and played defense really well. Notre Dame often, you know, ran a lot of offensive sets that got late into the shot clock and put up highly efficient, you know, shots. And so I respect Mike Bray's formula, I think, more than anything, because he, he, he made a formula and he adapted his formula in order to kind of tweak and win, you know, depending on what was going on. Um, but I guess just like if I had to put it down to one moment, it was that game against Kentucky 
in which they probably should have went on to the final four. Yeah. And that was his best shot. That was his best team. And I think it was a little, it's sad and, and, you know, kind of fun at the same time because it was a great run and it was a great team seeing, you know, Grant and Connaughton and, you know, the others that played so well, Demetrius Jackson. Um, I'm pretty sure Bonzi was on that team, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was just a good team to watch, but it was also sad because that was their best shot and they probably should have beat Kentucky in that game and went on to the final four. And they only have one final four appearance in, in school history. And they could have, you know, you could have probably made the case that they had a strong shot of going in the national championship that year. And that's the one thing the men's program doesn't have is a national championship appearance, let alone a national championship trophy. So yeah, it's got to be that game no against final Kentucky. Four in more than 40 years. Right. Yeah. It's got to be that game against Kentucky, even though it was so spectacular. It was also kind of so sad at the same time. Yeah, I think mine is is how that season wound down from the ACC championship went, you know, beating Duke and North Carolina in back-to-back years, doing that, making that run into the NCAA tournament. And if I remember right, that was in Cleveland as well. Those games were in Cleveland that mm-hmm. year, I believe, the, the Kentucky game. It just, just such a great run to finally see that happen after all those years of getting to the tournament, getting knocked out in the first or second round, an occasional Sweet 16. My second year, I was doing the Notre Dame women's games, and the women were filled in Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. And the men were down in Greenville, South Carolina, playing in the NCAA tournament. They played, who was it in the first round? I was, um, Charlotte, I believe it was. And then they played Duke in the second round. They had Carlos Boozer, and that was Notre Dame was totally. So the thing worked out perfectly because like the women you know played one night the men played the next and both of them you know ended up winning their first game so there was like a small group of us that rented a car we you know we would drive down to South Carolina we watched the men's games and all that stuff they came so close that year to beating Duke and I believe Duke ended up uh, I don't they might not have gone to the final they lost to Indiana that was the year that Indiana ended up getting to the national championship game and losing to Maryland. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And like what I got to experience in person, I'd say the five overtime game against Louisville. That was uh, at least the end of the night, as my old buddy Bobby and I have talked about before. The game for roughly 38 minutes was a complete snoozer. Louisville was winning most of the night. It looked like Notre Dame never had a chance, but then – Jaron Grant woke up, started uh, bombing, and uh, you know got the game tied. Got to overtime. They went to five overtimes and uh, ended up beating Louisville in five overtimes. That's that's definitely my favorite Purcell memory of Mike Bray. Someone brought up uh, Maui Bray. I thought that was... Maui Bray good too. Stymie, <laughs> was... Stymie bringing up Maui Bray. That was a good call as well. <laughs> so the latest rumored name to emerge to replace Mike Bray at Notre Dame is Iowa's Fran McCaffrey. You buy Fran McCaffrey at Notre Dame, Jesse. So Fran McCaffrey. Buy or sell Fran McCaffrey. (laughs) So I can't say that I am, you know, up to date on my college basketball coaches, especially um, Fran McCaffrey. But I know he was an assistant at Notre Dame for 11 years. He was. And, and I know that he's, you know, the Big Ten is a hard conference. 
Iowa has had some good seasons in the Big Ten, you know, competing with teams like IU, Purdue of recent, um, you know, Ohio State. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know, you know, who's the best of the best in the Big Ten over the last 10 years. But it's a hard conference to play in, just like the ACC. It's a Power Five conference. It's hard to play in. He's been tenured there for a long time. He's coached at Notre Dame before. I don't say that I would be disappointed with the hire. And I think that would be the number one kind of takeaway for me is I wouldn't be overall disappointed with the hire. I mean, he's got a nice resume. You know, he's won at least 20 games eight times, taken Iowa to the NCAA tournament six times in 12 years. He's never gotten past the second round, you know, so that's that's kind of a nut. But the biggest thing with, with McCaffrey is just his demeanor on the court, you know, like, he was the one, I don't know if you remember seeing a week or so ago. Oh, he was, was he the guy staring down the referee? Doing the stare down oh, with the referee. Oh, throw him out the window. That, he's <laughs> no, I'm selling. That's all you need. Okay. Is, I forgot that that was the Iowa coach. And then he just kept stepping closer to the ref. Yes. And it was like, who was going to blink? Very top, one of the top awkward moments I think I've seen in college basketball. And I've never been a fan of that kind of coach. Right. He's just staring down the ref with that kind of intent. Like you just wanted a reaction. You wanted something to happen. Right. And exactly. so if that's the way you're going to handle yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm sold, you know, throw out everything I just said. Derek asked what his buyout is. <laughs> it's like, that's, it's going to be the punchline to everything pretty much going forward. What's the buyout? Uh, Notre Dame women projected right now as a three seed for the NCAA tournament heading into tomorrow's ACC tournament opener for them against North Carolina State. Now, you have to be a four seed or better on the women's side to host NCAA tournament games. So The first two rounds, right? Yes. 64 and 32. Correct. So what do you think What do you think needs to happen for them this weekend to feel comfortable that they're going to host here in two weeks when the selections are announced? You know, before <laughs> – it's, it's kind of crazy that – I think that they should be a lock to host – no matter what. And I think it's kind of ridiculous that they are kind of fighting for an overall three seed right now. Cause I think that they could be seriously contending for a one, if not a two. And I have rationale to back this up. You know, they UConn and Virginia tech are ranked higher than Notre Dame in the rankings right now. And last time I checked Notre Dame. And they've got first. both of them as two seeds. Right. Because they, they did. They did the, uh, not to cut you off, but they did the, you know, top 16 reveal February 23rd. So I think that was what, like two weeks ago today or a week ago? About a week ago. A week ago. Yeah. A week ago today. February always throws me off, you know, with, with, with the lack of days and all that stuff. But so they've got both UConn and Virginia Tech, who, as you said, as two seeds, Notre Dame beat both of them. They've got Notre Dame on the three line. Notre, I, like Virginia Tech makes absolutely no sense. Notre Dame is first in the regular season ACC, and they beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Right. How is Virginia Tech ahead of them? It makes absolutely zero sense. So I'm more frustrated that Notre Dame isn't being considered a two seed, let alone a three or a four seed. Like I think they should be hosting no matter what, as long as they take care of business and don't get embarrassed by someone you know, make it to probably the championship game. Like at worst, you would want to see them get knocked out in the, in the, the final four of the ACC tournament. But I think as long as they handle their business, like this shouldn't even be really a conversation in my opinion. I think that they should be fighting for more, like they should be a, a two seed on the cups of how can we get the one seed? If we can win this ACC tournament, 
could we potentially land a number one seed overall? And that's not just biasy. I just think that's facts. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, UConn has worse losses than Notre Dame, and they beat UConn. Like, Notre Dame's losses, their worst loss is on the road at North Carolina by 10 points. Their other losses are by margin are like two to five points, and those yeah. are ranked teams. So that's, I, I'm just kind of confused overall. That's the thing. Their worst loss is to North Carolina State, who was ranked at the time they beat them. North Carolina State is not ranked now, but the other, you know, the, they they lost to, as, as you said, North Carolina on the road as well. They lost to Maryland on, on a buzzer beater and shot. And everyone Maryland loves the, the Big line. Ten and Maryland and IU in women's basketball because it seems like every time they lose, there's no real consequences. Here's what it comes down to, though, because, again, Notre Dame's got a head-to-head win over UConn. The NCAA in that you know, early reveal a week ago today had UConn on the two line, as you just said, ahead of Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame has a head to head, but UConn has more bad losses. They have lost to St. John's. They have lost to Marquette. And there was one other that I can't think of right now as well. They've got, they lost to St. John's at home and they've, it, the, the NCAA protects UConn because UConn is a cash cow. They want UConn to host. And so they've got, UConn higher, even though Notre Dame shows up at number six in the net rankings. I would just say I'm I'm fairly comfortable, you know, that they're going to host no matter what, but you just never know with the NCAA. Well, it's like they're already skewing them enough. So it's like, is one bad thing right. just going to knock them out of potentially hosting? Because for whatever kind of, I, I call it like a mini vendetta that they have, because it just, it logistically just doesn't make sense on paper that Notre Dame is behind UConn and Virginia Tech at the moment, who are, I guess, locks kind of at the two seed right now at this moment. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. One final question for tonight. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Aaron Rodgers is telling his critics to tune it out if they think he's being a diva about what he's going to do with his future. It's contradictory that Aaron Rodgers is telling people to tune it out because Aaron Rodgers goes on podcasts and he brings camera crews to his, you know, darkness retreat and all of these things. So if you don't want people to perceive you as a diva, then don't do diva don't be things. A diva. <laughs> you know, like it, it, those things go hand in hand. Like if you don't want people to think of you as a diva and, you know, your contract situation as being diva like, well, then don't, again, don't go out and be a diva about it. Right. So to me, it's very contradictory that he would make a statement like that. But 
Am I surprised? No, because it's on par with just about everything that Aaron Rodgers does. It's just he's it's like he's perfected basically being a diva. He's perfected <laughs> the ways to stir up drama and bring everything. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to retire. I don't know what I'm going to do. You trade blah, blah, blah. It's like stop doing the interviews if, right. if you don't want it. He loves the fact that people are talking about it. You know, that's that's all it comes down to with this guy. If if he doesn't want people talking about it, stop going on these different podcasts and shows. Stop doing the McAfee show every week and stirring the pot because that's that's all he's doing. He just he loves the drama. He loves the fact that people are talking about him. That's all it is. Yeah, and, and like Joe said, it's it's just always been about uh, Aaron Rodgers. It's it's that smugness always on his face. It's he's always been uber talented. Like I respect him as a quarterback. Especially, you know, he beat the Cowboys twice in the last decade with probably two of the best Cowboys teams that they've had. He's been a Cowboy killer in the playoff. It hurts to say. And I think that's probably why, you know, there's layers of why I don't enjoy Aaron Rodgers. But it's just what it is. He's just always been smug. He can never just be, you know, appreciative of his, you know, what he's done and kind of how good he is. It's just everything's on par with Aaron Rodgers. He's built up this persona of himself. And rather than kind of maybe, you know, doing things to to get people off the ledge of who they think he is, he does things to further or, or solidify how people, you know, how people perceive him. Yeah. That's exactly it. And we will leave it at that tonight. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Hit the like button on your way out. And of course, subscribe, rate, review. And two o'clock comment. tomorrow. Huh? Women's game. First Women's game, game is at two tomorrow. And I don't even know if I told you, I forgot to mention this at the start of the show. We're going to start our Friday Rapid Fire show at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Oh, you're on double duty tomorrow. I didn't realize that. You're going to go straight from the game to double duty. Do that. Come back here. Get ready. We'll do the show tomorrow night at 6. So be ready for that. Are you good? I'll be here. I'll be there. Okay. It sounds peaceful. We will see you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Superstock.